Let SuperValue Online Shopping save you time and money. Order your weekly shop online, then collect at the store at a time that suits you. Or we'll deliver your shopping to your door. Shop online today at supervalue.ie. Alive and kicking with Claire McKenna. This is News Talk. Yes, you can email the show alive and kicking at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Claire's Lair. Coming up this morning, Claire Fulham lost her hair at 27. She documented her story on Instagram as Claire Balding, building over 80,000 followers. She's now training to be a trichologist and set up her own business, Trua Hair, where she advises clients on healthy hair and a healthy scalp. She talks to me today about bouncing back, the effects of stress and battling her critics. And you can't go anywhere at the minute without vaccine talk. Are you getting it? Did you get it? Which one? Were you sick? And the range of side effects are varied. I'm going to talk it all through and answer some of your questions with GP Dr Eleanor Galvin. So what kind of a health and wellness week did I have? Well, I got to socialise with a small group of friends during the week. My husband loves music and he decided to turn one of his passions into more of a hobby. So he's been DJ practising with headphones on in the corner of our sitting room for months now. Sometimes I did allow him to remove the headphones, I promise. And in the last few weeks, he felt comfortable enough to play for a select group of friends outdoors and we could dance. Now, I'm telling you this, not so people can get in touch to check it was COVID compliant. It was. But to talk about the importance of fun in our lives. Fun for my husband, having something that lights him up and spending time on that. I saw it make such a difference to him. And for us, the worthy recipients, dancing and laughing, it's good stuff for the soul. I think we forget as adults to have as much fun as possible. I mean, obviously, our socialising prospects have been seriously curtailed of late, but I think that's made us appreciate them even more, whatever it is we get, whether it's outdoor dining or whatever it is. When I look at my kids, for example, they rarely sit still. They're constantly moving, exploring, messing, And they never want to go to bed. Now, of course, we have screens and TV too, but they are pretty much up for fun at all times. We, or maybe I should just say I, often focus on how tired I am. And when I arrive somewhere, I'm mainly focused on where I can sit down and rest. Now, often I'm on the go too. It's great to be up for fun as a child with no responsibilities or worries and having everything done for you. But psychology tells us that more fun and spending time with people who make us happy reduces our stress, improves our sleep quality, improves memory function, increases creativity and gives you more energy. So fun is my advice this week. And I was on Ireland AM this week and got to meet the writer Sophie White. I would hugely recommend her book, Corpsing. She raises a lot of very interesting topics and speaks very honestly from the heart. But she wasn't there to talk about that. She was there to talk about her new hobby, which is pole dancing. She had COVID and long term symptoms, long COVID, so can't run anymore, which she found was really good for her head and her fitness. And her breathing hasn't come back since she has recovered from COVID. So she had always watched pole dancing and pole fitness online and fancied it. She found a secondhand pole on Dundeal and she says it has changed her life. And there she was on national television, flinging herself around a pole in a swimsuit. And it was just another example of somebody who found something that lit them up 
and just went for it. I mean, something I never take for granted is my job. It is something that lights me up. So I'm lucky in that respect. But if that's not a possibility for you, find what it is that you love and do more of it. Whether that's in your spare time, you could even start with an hour a week. But taking time just to have fun is my health and wellness tip this week. You can email the show aliveandkicking at newstalk.com. Now, there is still so much pandemic talk everywhere you go. And I mean, that's fine. It is a big deal and is ongoing. And one of the biggest topics at the moment is vaccinations, not just the government's handling of them, but ours too. Did you get it? Which one did you get? Were you sick? How did you feel? And I have questions too, so I have flexed my broadcast muscle and invited GP Eleanor Galvin into studio to answer some of the queries that could do with an expert answer. Eleanor, how are you? Very well, Claire. Thank you. You can't go anywhere now without being asked, are you vaccinated? Which Uh, one? Et cetera, et cetera. I'm gladly, happily vaccinated um, with Pfizer since February um, and very lucky to be so. Good stuff. Good stuff. And I do want to make it clear to people, this isn't, you know, people get up in arms about vaccines at the minute and they're like, how are you shoving this down our throat? I just think people have questions and it's worth answering those questions. And knowledge is power. And the more you know about something, the more you can make an informed decision. So I put it up on my Instagram as well and I got some questions in from people. And um, let's talk about side effects then that some people can have to the various vaccines. So why is it that you usually feel sick after the second dose and not the first dose? Well, um, the first dose kind of primes you. You're, it's the first time your body is getting a dose of, um, I suppose, a drug that makes you get an immune response. And then the second dose, you can get a bigger um, side effects. That for Pfizer, may, maybe more for AstraZeneca, it's your first dose you get sick on and then your second one not so sick. It's normal to be a little bit off after a vaccine. You want to have some sort of immune response. That's what you're looking for. So none of them are live vaccines, so you can't get COVID. Um, But if you think having maybe aches and pains, sometimes a bit of lightheadedness, sometimes a sore arm, 24 hours compared to COVID, uh, it's a good deal. But if you're not getting sick, your immune response is still happening. Does that mean you have a stronger immune system? It, it just varies. Some people, ha- it doesn't bother them at all. Other people, it bothers them more. Um, just like a pain threshold. Um, yeah, and, and I suppose everybody's immune system is different. Um, and that's why some people get very sick with COVID and some people don't get very sick with COVID. I suppose it's also why some people have more side effects with uh, a vaccine and then don't. Same with baby vaccines. You know, you quite expect a bit of a red lump in your child's leg. Um, they'd be off form. You give them some calpol and you get home and you hope you're in for a good night. Uh, and then sometimes they'll surprise you have a great night. Other times um, you'll see them many times during the night. It's the same with the Pfizer vaccine or the AstraZeneca or any of them. And if your arm is sore, because that's what a lot of people are saying, it's just the, the arm was the only yeah. thing they had. Does that mean the needle was put in? I don't want to say badly, but is is that down no. to the injection itself, or is that again down it's to your own an, an body? Immune reaction. We always ask people, which arm would you like it in? Because some people always sleep on their right arm, so put it into their left. So I had a sore arm, a bit like I had somebody had given me a bit of a punch, um, and a few days later it was grand. But certainly, if I had bumped into something, I'd have felt it. But it was no more than that. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. And is paracetamol the only thing? you should take? I mean, what about codeine? Well, codeine you shouldn't really be taking unless you've kind of got moderate pain anyway or 
severe pain. So codeine doesn't bring down your temperature or things like that. So it's paracetamol or neurofen. Um, but always say paracetamol, two paracetamol. Um, and, and they're kind of saying be before you go and take it or should you be waiting until you feel unwell? Um, I, w- I would think you'd take this when you go home for it and you might take, if it was early in the day, you might take another two going to bed. Whether or not you feel sick? Well, I felt quite sick after my second one so I was glad I did because I got a little bit of a temperature so I was kind of glad I had. Um, it's just a preemptive strike, isn't it? You don't have to. I mean, but if you... If you're feeling a bit bit off, it's, it's no harm. Yeah, prevention is better than yeah, cure. absolutely. If you're going to be complaining about side effects, you might as well take two Panadol and not complain about them. Yes, I think so. What, um, why does the vaccine, there was something I saw online um, that really kind of blew my mind, that it can affect your menstrual cycle. And it was somebody who put it up who's receiving fertility treatment and said, look, women need to, to know this. And I'm really surprised that we haven't heard more about it. Can you explain it a little bit well, first? I, w- I would say menstrual cycles um, are put off, number one, by periods, uh, by pregnancy. When you get pregnant, you get no periods. Um, and the number two thing that puts off um, periods is stress. So before we ever had the vaccine last year, during our first lockdown in March, April, May, couldn't get over the amount of people who came saying their period was off. Uh, their period disappeared. Now, young women, um, there was nowhere to be found. So then we kind of do bloods, make sure there's nothing up and lo and behold, next week would come their period or they'd have a period that went on for weeks and it was stress. Uh, and I think that sometimes we mix up the stress of being in a pandemic, which is probably most people I see are anxious these days, um, with maybe the side effects of COVID. So a lot of these things are kind of happenstance that women's periods have been put off um, and other GPs have all been commenting on it well before um, the COVID vaccine. So there's no kind of scientific basis. There was a kind of a fear about whether or not one spike protein was similar to another spike protein, which could cause you to, but they've kind of dispelled that. So now they kind of think, you know, when something happens and you've just had a vaccine, you're kind of likely to say, oh, it was the vaccine. But women get irregular periods quite often are they have irregular periods. If you know, if, if you flew halfway around the world to Australia or you put your body under stress, people quite often miss a period or get a period when they don't expect one. And I do think that that is all that is happening. And I certainly see no spike in, or have had people complaining that their periods have been irregular since the vaccine. But I've had it long before the vaccine since the start of COVID. Um, I think people are really, really anxious out there. I know. And I, I think we've we've so adapted to this way of, of living now yeah. and things feel like they're getting back to normal in inverted commas. And I just hear from a lot of people, I just don't quite feel myself. I don't have my usual motivation. I don't have my usual. Yeah. I just don't feel like myself. It's not something that you'd necessarily bring to a GP. But I think it's important to mention because I know. We've everyone's been, feeling that way. And we've been adapting all the time. Everything is different. Um, how we work is different. How we socialise is different. What we do with our kids is different. That is really tiring um, and it is exhausting. And then there's a background stress of living in a pandemic and working in a pandemic um, and maybe not seeing the kind of usual supports you have or not getting to go out for dinner, for drinks with your friends to unwind. So there's that sort of normal background stress going on um, that people have in their lives. But this has been hugely um, stressful for people. Mm, so that may knock it off. Well, you're listening to Alive and Kicking here on News Talk with Claire McKenna and I'm talking to GP Dr. Eleanor Galvin 
about the vaccine and side effects and uh, all things Corona Coaster related. Um, will an ordinary virus, though, knock your menstrual cycle off? Like, say you did get the flu or, or another virus. That can affect your cycle. Any sickness can affect your cycle. Um, COVID could affect your cycle. There's not really studies done to say, but there is no kind of scientific pathway from, say, putting in a type of a vaccine and it having a knock-on effect on your womb. So there's no link there um, that we have been told about um, or certainly that anybody seems to be worried about. Um, but I, I don't know whether there is anything behind it, but all the data when people make these reports, it's all it's all put together. I mean, Dana Ellsford Terrace is the Irish Medicine Border. I think they've called something new now. And in every country, there are people gathering this data all the time. If it is thought to be something real, we're told about it. But at this stage, there's been millions and millions of vaccines given out in the developed world. I mean, some countries haven't even started yet. Um, and there doesn't seem to be any link at all with fertility or with um, menstrual cycle that can be put down to the vaccine. Yeah. And look, to be very clear, I, the last thing I want to do is scare people, particularly if they are receiving fertility treatment. Anything that I read online, which was coming from yeah. the NHS, was only saying that it may knock your cycle out by a few days. Yeah. So it might change your ovulation days. So be aware, nobody was but saying it was affecting your no. fertility. And and they're kind of also saying the stress of going for the vaccine, the jubilation of it afterwards, because I know I certainly felt as high as the kite when I came out. I was so thrilled with myself and I felt so safe for the first time in a while um, that I'm sure all sorts of hormones were pumping. But it was just one of those sort of things. It is... Um, I'm, most people would say at the vaccine centres that just people have been so excited, so thrilled, also so nervous. First time they've seen big crowds. Um, but it has been um, a real roller coaster. Yeah, the Corona coaster, as they say. Uh, why can't you, says one message, have injectables like Botox or fillers until some weeks have passed since your second vaccine? You can have your Botox. I don't think anyone's saying you can't have your Botox. And I don't think it's that you can't have your filler. But if you have your filler, it may temporarily swell um, after some of the vaccines. Not in everybody, but there are definite reports of temporary swelling of injectables in your face. So it might you might be kind of given away by it. Um, I don't think anyone's saying it would kill you or it would do anything awful to you. But if you got filler in your lips or something, they could suddenly be bigger for a while and you may not want that. Oh, you may want that. People, could be, could, people could be delighted with that Same side effect. Your, your glands can swell a little bit. There have been reports of people's glands swelling a little bit after um, vaccines, but only all temporary stuff. But certainly your, your face might be a bit wonky looking, but Botox is fine. So that's not considered like a trauma to the body. Do you have to behave any differently? That's the kind of link I was making, that your immune system is already fighting something and working really hard, the last thing you need to be doing is is sending more stuff into your face. Uh, the injectables? Yeah. Not um, a trauma, in, in no, inverted commas. I think it's just that they're swelling up on people uh, and not in everybody. Cause certainly plenty of my patients had filler in them. They all looked fine afterwards. Um, but but there have definitely been reports of filler swelling. Um, so the more recent your filler is, I suppose, um, the more likely it is to swell. Okay. But everything's coming out of our immune systems all day anyway, um, outside of COVID, it always has been. And our bodies deal with it amazingly. Um, but this is just a new bug. And have you been giving out the, the vaccine? Yeah. And how does that feel? Um, it is very busy. Um, <laughs> and it's a lot of organisation. 
Um, but then when it happens, it's just um, it's kind of slightly party atmosphere. I must say, really enjoyed it. Um, and we feel a huge amount of calls from people looking for it. Um, and very luckily, most people who we feel should have it took it. Um, but there will always be people who are worried about it and who don't take it. I really feel we know how dangerous COVID is and it has had awful effects in some families and people have lost people. People have had really hard year and a half at this stage. Um, and I think we know that COVID is more dangerous than any vaccine ever could be. I know it's so interesting because people kind of talk about us being like guinea pigs and, and in a way we are because this is just an ever evolving Thing. It has to be though because it's a pandemic. So yeah. Kind of time is of the essence. So I think when, remember when we were locked down back in March last year and everyone's saying, oh, how long will they be till their vaccine? And it was the feeling was nobody could wait till it was made and, and get it into your arm. Um, but it's common and there has been hesitancy. Yeah. Um, but and I, you just have to weigh other, up the yeah. side effects of the virus itself. I spoke to somebody recently enough and he had had, it was the South African strain. Yeah. that, And so because he'd had that, he'd had to get onto some of the re- research centres and, and, and answer questions. Yeah. Because as you say, they're collecting all this information all the time. And he said that every morning after a night of intense fever, he would have this real existential moment about where was life and what was life. And he happened to mention that. And they said that's coming through a lot. So they're, they, we're, we're thinking it's a neurological side yeah. effect of the virus. So... I just think we need to keep talking about the various side effects of of getting it and getting the vaccine. And I think that people were having weird dreams from stress as well um, before all the vaccine came out. Um, People were having kind of strange symptoms. And I've seen an awful lot of, um, particularly nurses, who maybe were out in the midst of it for a long time before the vaccine came with long COVID. Um, And it's to look at all those um, kind of potentials that we don't know about COVID either. Mm. Um, like what will be the long-term implications for people who have COVID and long-term COVID? We've had some really fit people, particularly with long COVID, not still exercising, um, feeling really off months and months after recovering, by the way, from the actual acute phase. Yeah, side effects of medication, you know, slash vaccine do fascinate me. Uh, I remember watching... I think it was the juicing guy, Jason Vale, did this documentary where he took all these people away and he was showing them that if they just drank juice, their whole lives could be changed. But he was getting them to read the side effects on some of their medication. Now, obviously, yeah. there's some medications that people should not in any way throw out without seeking well, medical advice. But when you read the side effects of any packet, you'd oh, never take a thing again. But if you read the side effects of paracetamol, mm. which is quite a low lethal dose, or if you read the side effects of anything... But you have to think why they have those down in the list. So the people who gather the information about the drug, if you and I and we got John Fardy and a few other people to ring up now and say our legs are slightly longer since we got the vaccine, legally they'd probably end up putting it on a leaflet eventually. Because, you know, if you if you have it on there, nobody can ever say you didn't warn them. Um, pharmaceutical companies protect themselves with those leaflets. Uh, it's in their best interest to make the list as long and as varied as possible. Um, so they gather all that data. And if you had enough people said something happened to them after something, it will end up there. So nearly every tablet has nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, um, loss or gain of weight, uh, hair loss. They, they're, they're nearly on everything. Um, so I, I kind of would 
read them, but caution. It's it's like when you Google what's wrong with you and then you start thinking, oh God, I have all of those things. Mm. Um, it's a bit further down the track than you need to go. Yeah, it is. You know, obviously you read your leaflet, but if you have any of those things ever goes wrong with you, um, well, you certainly, you can't blame anybody because it's on the leaflet. So I would say that leaflets are there for your education, but also for legal reasons. I think we should put out there that unfortunately the vaccine does not give you longer legs because if it did, no. I'd say <laughs> plenty Triple of people dose. on the fe- <laughs> fence would get off the fence and head Absolutely. there. Eleanor, where could people find you? Um, I'm in Rathfarnham. Um, and the website is familydoctors.ie familydoctors.ie Rathfarnham GP on Twitter. Good stuff. Well, Eleanor Galvin, GP, thank you so much for coming in. Coming up after the break, Claire Fulham on losing her hair and then gaining a community and a business. Alive and kicking on News Talk. Claire Fulham lost her hair aged 27. She documented her story on her Instagram account, Claire Balding, and built a community of thousands. She even held a live show where she told a packed audience all that she had learned. And she continues to learn, studying to be a trichologist at the moment. She set up Trua Hair, where she advises clients on healthy hair and a healthy scalp. And she joins me on the line now. Hello, Claire. Hello, Claire. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Go on, the Claire's. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. In work, busy, busy, but delighted to be talking to you. Great. Well, we'll get into all that at the minute and, you know, the clients and, and what you're doing. But yeah. can you take us back to when you were 27? What what was happening and, and what were you diagnosed with? Yes. So I was 27, as you said. In, it was kind of like this time five years ago, really. So about May time, I was in work. Uh, I was working in the college at a time at the time. And I noticed when I was going to uh, going to work that I had a tiny little ball patch in the split of my hair. Um, and I kind of just brushed it off literally and said, oh, I'll just part my hair another way. I must have burnt it with the with the straightener or whatever, you know. So went to work. But of course, me being me, I was going around every office that would have me going, look at this, look at this, look at this and showing everybody it. And a couple of people said to me, oh, my God, Claire, that's alopecia. And I was like, oh, God, way like drama queen. Um, so I then I kind of started to try to think. I was like, oh, my God, I'm losing a hell of a lot of hair, like a huge amount of hair, not a normal amount of hair at all. And I was kind of skewed it up and I was putting in the bin and work you know and I was huge man but it's really normal and I knew that I had a lot of hair so I shedded it around that time every year but this was different you know so went to the doctor um, she looked at my scalp and I had five big um, coin shape marks on my scalp, one nearly the size of my fist. So I had no idea how I missed this because my hair was my thing. So I didn't understand how I could have not seen this or anybody else couldn't have seen it, you know. Um, I quickly went and researched and rang. I had private health care insurance at the time rang dermatologists and I couldn't get in for six weeks and I just knew that I'd be bald in six weeks so I didn't have much time so I got an appointment a cancellation with the trichologist went in and she diagnosed me with alopecia areata um, and I was in a wig within three weeks of that you know so it was crazy you know and it's really shaped my life for the past five years definitely you know but um um, all for well, mostly for the for the good, you know. But um, definitely, it was a big shock to the system, huge shock. Because as I said, my hair was my thing, you know. And I think my body could have picked anything else, you know. I could have gained weight, I could have lost weight, I could have got really bad skin, and I would have just carried on. But because this really, my hair stopped me in my tracks, you know, and said, right, okay, Claire, what's 
what's going on, you know? So, um, yeah, no, you yeah. do have the most incredible head of hair because your hair is back. We'll talk about that yeah. in a moment as well. But it's it's the most beautiful shade of red um, and you have plenty of it. Um, so it must have been really tough then. I'd say you hardly recognised yourself in the in the mirror to just try and get your head around what was going on. Mm-hmm. It was really hard to look at the mirror, yeah, like really, really hard. And I'd catch glimpses of myself and, you know, this kind of this whole, you know, I was a normal woman. Like we've all got our insecurities and our imperfections and everything. But when your biggest, I suppose, physical trait that you rely on every day disappears within a matter of weeks and um, with no explanation as well. That's what I found strange. I, I know why is this happening to me, you know, so um, it was really hard. But then actually the mirror started to become my best friend after a couple of months because because really for the first time my whole life I saw myself you know I actually said okay Claire apart from your hair what else what else can you offer the world (laughs) so you know it was kind of um I did a lot of mirror work you know which was staring at myself for like minutes at a time which then gets bigger and bigger in larger periods of time throughout that and it became a real tool for me to you know recognize myself again or possibly for the first time as I said so I did avoid it but then it slowly became part of my I suppose recovery then you know which is strange. And when did you set up the Instagram page and begin sharing your journey? Um, I started really quickly on um, Snapchat. So I remember um, a couple of the radio stations and stuff. Got, I literally put up a Facebook status to my 500 closest friends <laughs> that I had on Facebook. And um, a couple of new, like a lot of people shared it, like, you know, my friends and stuff. So um, news uh, would get news kind of papers or radio stations got on to me. And I said, you know what? Like, I have to talk about this because apparently like, it looks like no one is, you know. So I started on Snapchat. Then Snapchat kind of died. So I kind of went over to Instagram so say I've been on Instagram maybe three years but really five years I've been on social media I'd say yeah and was that part of your process as well being able to to share was it about hearing from other people going through it that that was that that was the winner yeah definitely when you you know when you're going through something like you know that's what support groups are I suppose isn't it it's for whatever we're going through in life it's nice to know somebody else's as well and it's really difficult to speak about actually because there's a huge level of shame around losing your hair particularly for a woman I think and particularly this kind of because it's it's all stress related apparently you know so and um, there was this huge level of shame that Jesus like people will think that I don't have my life together people will think that I can't handle whatever's going on in my life and there was a huge level of stress so to be able to have other people that were going through it and understood the pain you know because people would say stupid things to you know yourself Claire like when well, they're trying to be nice to you but they actually just spiral you <laughs> um, you know and people would say silly things but to have that kind of I suppose level of support from other people going through it was really powerful but really I suppose I entered that community to I really did it because I was like, if I can get a couple of followers now, somebody will give me a hair transplant for free. You know, that was my <laughs> that was my thinking. Uh, never got the transplant. Um, but, uh, you know, that was I, I did it to kind of draw strength, you know, from them. But actually, it ended up me kind of giving that strength back to a lot of people around the world, really, you know, because social media is a strange place. You know, we're all so connected in some way. So it slowly became obviously my hair growth journey and my hair loss journey. But then it became just my life and, you know, sharing all the good bits, all the bad bits and everything else in between, you know. So um, it was a selfish reason I joined um, and it actually became, I suppose, kind of a necessary service, if you will, for other people, you know. Yeah, good support group. Now, you said yeah. the first place you went 
was the GP and then you were referred to a trichologist. So tell us a little bit about that. I mean, what what treatment do they give you? What do they explain is going on? So, yeah, I, I was I was went to the GP and they couldn't really help me. And that's a common trend in Ireland, unfortunately, that um, there's very little kind of experience and um, education even for GPs available to kind of delve into hair loss. And I get it. You know, you're walking, you're talking, you're grand, you know, so off you go. Um, but then the dermatologist or trichologist would be kind of the next step really for people out there. Trichologists, um, I went in um, to uh, the Universal Hair and Scalp Clinic on Dame or Georgia Street. George, you know the one that says like why go bald the one I used to walk past oh and yeah, yeah. That, that's quite quite iconic that light isn't it it's yeah, like I, a, I have, a light yeah. sign Yes, I have actually a picture of that on my wall now just to remind me. But um, I remember I used to snigger at it going past as a teenager on my way up to Georgia Street Arcade. You know what I mean? <laughs> Little did I know. Um, but I remember I went in and very quickly she diagnosed me. She told me things will get worse before it gets better, but your hair will grow back. And I remember thinking this one, I don't believe a word she's saying to me, you know, like how can this grow back? And just completely kind of in the depth of it. Um, but she was right. You know, my hair very quickly started to grow back nearly as quick as it fell out which was a bit crazy but they diagnose you loads of different things trichologists can offer you loads of different options um in terms of kind of laser treatment and um, types of electronics and um, lotions and potions it really depends on you know what what the condition is and the severity of the condition as well really you need to go to dermatologists if you wanted steroid injections cortisone injections um which are really really um you know people get great success from them as well but it depends on the severity of the situation really you know so i got i went to 20 sessions there i think every week for 20 weeks which brought me nearly up to kind of christmas of that year and then i was able to take off the wig I looked like a mad Rod Stewart, but I rocked it for a while. And I just said, you know what? I need to get rid of this wig and start to let my hair grow. And it, it did. It did. Thank God. Well, you're listening to Alive and Kicking on News Talk with Claire McKenna. And I'm talking to Claire Fulham, also known as Claire Balding on Instagram, about her journey with hair loss. And you said, Claire, that not a lot is known about the causes of alopecia or hair loss, but there is thought to be a link between stress and the hair loss. So can you attribute anything that was going on in your life at that time to why it might have happened? Yeah, I mean, I remember kind of racking my brains at the time, you know, God, what is it? What is it? And when I look back on it, it was very simple. I was 27 years of age. I had two young kids. Um, I had a mortgage. Um, I just got married the year before um, and I didn't sleep very well because my son was an absolute delight and I was running on empty, I suppose, and just being a really, really busy young mom, you know, and I remember going, that's not enough. That's that stress isn't enough, but it is. Like it really is, you know, I think again, you think that, well, you know, Mary has four kids across the road and she's a full head of hair and she's got a way more stressful job than me. And you compare yourself to everybody else. But I think that really I got pregnant when I was 22, myself and Ian bought a house at 23 and we started to be adults very quickly. And I think I was obsessed with making sure that I was coping and we coped and we did a good job. And, you know, we raised a 
a normal human to some degree and we were doing this and we were paying our bills on time and that's enough I think that the, the fact that we have to even try and determine the levels of stress we all go through on a daily or a weekly or a yearly basis is silly there's no and absolutely no doubt that life is stressful so what stresses me out mightn't stress you out and the shame around of it is crazy you know so I think that when I look back on it it was pretty simple I was a busy um vulnerable you know tired mom which is pretty stressful <laughs> yeah you know so nothing crazy just life like yeah yeah no you're right and we don't really talk about it enough and mm-hmm. before we were all forced to slow down in the pandemic being busy and stressed was kind of like a, a badge of honor and that people were just mm-hmm. always on the go and especially I, I hate saying especially women because I think it affects everybody but this idea that you can have it all you know so you're juggling work you're juggling kids you want to have the best social life you know, you want to also be in the gym or the yoga or whatever, you know, it's, so you're just constantly on the go and you think that there has to be a big trauma in your life. But that continuously is going to wear anybody down. Oh, God, yeah. And like, that's what happens, you know, and like I see women every day and men every day. And OK, it mightn't be the extreme hair loss that I went through, but like that their hair is starting to suffer. And they're like, but I don't understand why, like, you know, and I'm like, OK, well, and I'll start talking about their lifestyle. And I'm like, oh, my God, like that is a packed, jam packed life, you know, and nothing really majorly needs to happen. You know, and I was racking my brains going, God, did something happen to me? Like, have I been harboring something like what? What is this? You know, because I thought it was so extreme, but you don't need to life in general is stressful you know and I think that being more open and honest about that actually to each other really helps each other you know by talking about it and I suppose that's what Claire Balding became then it was like I'm not going to hold anything in I'm going to tell you all the parts I'm struggling with and if you get some solace for that or you say I'm not alone fantastic you know yeah so in the end it wasn't just about the hair loss or the hair regain it was about handling life and handling stress yeah Mm -hmm. definitely yeah well, Claire, will you stay with us? Um, I'm going to take a break here um, on Alive and Kicking on News Talk. And when we come back, I'll be asking Claire about what her treatment was, what changes she made and how she brought the hair back. You're very welcome back to Alive and Kicking on News Talk with Claire McKenna. And I'm talking to another Claire, Claire Fulham, also known on Instagram as Claire Balding, about her journey with hair loss. And you were saying before the break, Claire, that it really came down to the stress that you were under. You were 27, a mom, working, a mortgage, all that carry on. And that you feel that that is what attributed to the stress that could have led to the alopecia. So what was your treatment? What changes did you make for the hair to grow back, do you think? Um, I think to be honest with you Claire I could have done so many and I think there's so many options out there for for everybody if I did absolutely nothing at all and this is only from me now doing my own study the hair would have grown back anyway do you know it actually would have completely grown back on its own would it have been as strong would it have been as beautiful as it is now I don't know but it definitely would have grown back you know and I think that's an important message to send people as well because you don't need to spend thousands of euro on this you know you need to kind of get a good bit of advice and off you go at home and do something I think being proactive it really helps and I think that's in loads of aspects in our life but 
it really helped me to go into the clinic every week because it kind of made me reset for the week, you know, and it kind of made me go, okay, this week I have to do X, Y, and Z and I have to wash my hair this day. I have to put this ointment on. I understood what I was doing, why I was doing it. And that's so powerful because it kind of puts you in this level of control because hair loss is so uncontrollable. No matter what kind of stages or reasons why it's happening, it's desperately uncontrollable, you know? So to be able to go right, um, I had a goal every day, every second day, every week, you know, and I was in control of that aspect of it really helps. So being proactive, having a plan that kind of soothes the mind really, you know, and it makes you think, okay, I'm I'm in control of this a little bit. So that definitely helped. Did the lotions and potions and the treatment help? Of course, they didn't do me any harm, but I think it was me being open and honest, accepting and doing something proactive that really grew my hair back, you know? Yeah, I think that's good advice for anybody going through any kind of treatment and that's even advice given to people going to have a baby that just inform yourself as to what your treatment plan is so that you feel in control because when it's something so big for you to get your head around anyway you want to feel like you're at the centre of it rather than just being dragged through it so I think that's really good advice so Mm -hmm. when did you decide that you wanted to turn this into a a career that you wanted to to learn you're now studying to be a trichologist will you explain Mm -hmm. a little bit about what that is Yeah, so a trichologist is a person who looks or completely specializes in hair loss on the scalp. So you'd go to a trichologist if you had really bad psoriasis, eczema of the scalp, um, very bad dandruff, excessive oil. So it's not just for hair loss, it's for loads of different scalp conditions as well. And then obviously the biggest thing probably a trichologist would see would be hair loss. So, um, you know, male and female pattern baldness, um, alopecia areata, totalis, universalis, um, androgenic alopecia. There's loads of different types of hair loss. Hair loss after having babies, hormonal um, hair loss, um, hair loss after hair extensions, traction alopecia, loads of different things. So I just, I suppose, was in a time in my life where I was like, I need to take a chance. And I have always been the breadwinner in the house. I've, you know, we've worked myself and Ian, my husband, since we were, we were allowed, (laughs) you know, and it was a big risk. But I just felt like, you know what, Claire, this didn't happen for no reason. Like, you know, you're such a a voice on social media you've such an audience there you've helped a lot of people along the way like why don't you actually put this into practice do something that I genuinely clear like I get up every day and I love going to work now and I just it's a really nice way to live your life and I hope you know some people out there can relate to it but it came to a point where I was like I needed to take a chance you know so started our little business Trua this time last year and it's solely online which actually suited because the global pandemic and all the rest um so it's solely online and we just sell hair products are really active on Instagram we go through what it is that you need to do all that kind of stuff but also you can book online consultations at myself um, and it's really kind of getting people into a really good routine and regime with their hair they don't necessarily need to have hair growth issues um you know we see all sorts of different types of people we see a lot of brides actually saying I've 18 months to get my hair into the best condition of its life that kind of thing you know and I genuinely had in my heart like this morning we've seen someone alopecia areata someone with totalis um, another lady with eczema and it's just I absolutely love it you know it's something that I don't think that if I didn't go through it myself I would totally understand so that terror tremendously helps with my study as well you know that I understand the elements of the patient not just the jigs and the reels of the conditions you know but that how they feel and I you know one day the goal I suppose if we ever have enough money to do it will be to open a clinic you know because um I really believe nobody's going to do it better than me you know nobody will that because I understand and I can feel 
the pain and the anguish that people are going through you know so um yeah it was it was a big a big scary decision to make but sure here we are we've survived a year anyway so we must be doing something right absolutely and I suppose people are going to be listening now. Maybe they've experienced hair loss. I mean, will everyone's hair grow back the way yours did? No, no. And that's the reality of it. I think there's a way of delivering that type of news as well. The same way as, you know, you know, people have to deliver all sorts of scary news sometimes. No, it doesn't. So um, totalis, universalis, very, very difficult to grow back. Um, after a certain point, it's very, I'm talking about age, it's very difficult to grow back hair as well. You know, when we reach a certain age, um, the same way as, you know, we mightn't be a certain size anymore or, you know, our, our boobs are saggier. That's kind of life, you know, that's aging process. So it's about trying to, you know, teach people how to look after their their scalp in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s, 60s, 70s, whatever it is, you know. Um, but there is hard conversations to be had. But I think that any news that you deliver to somebody, as long as you're delivering in a supportive way and a really kind of, I suppose, empowering way as well, that helps. And again, I think what I've gone through helps me to deliver that news, you know, um, and will help me to deliver that news. Now, you've met, we've mentioned your Instagram page, Claire Balding, and that's where mm-hmm. you build your community. It has over 80,000 followers. Um, but you paused it recently saying that you began to fear for your safety. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, Instagram is a funny old place, as we all know. Social media is a funny old place. Um, and I suppose I was always somebody on social media. I never represented anybody, Claire. Do you know, I'm not one of those people who work with brands and stuff because I really just couldn't be bothered. Um, I, I just couldn't be bothered going down that route. And so I never had to, you know, police what I say or I never had to shave down my personality to fit in because a lot of my friends on social media have to, you know, if you want to be picked up by brands, you have to look a certain way. You have to do X, Y and but I never had to do that um, thankfully and so I was always a person on social media that would be very very vocal and would say how I feel and I would say crazy things a lot of the time and that was just my space you know and I didn't apologize for that but I think that there was a time I think last year was particularly hard on a lot of people there was a lot of trolling going on and again a lot of my friends in the field um would uh, know what I mean like it heightened last year it really really heightened and the level of abuse we get abuse all the time and I've become used to it and um, which is you know fear like kind of weird in itself and um, but you come used to it but it, there comes a point where you have to you know, kind of, I suppose, step away for a little while. And really last year, the abuse got so bad that, I mean, there was pictures of my house, of my car registration, my personal phone number, my home address in groups on online, you know, and threats, you know, physical threats to me. I really don't like her. I'll pull all the hair out of her head and crazy stuff like absolutely just because they didn't agree with you know me asking people to social distance (laughs) or they didn't like me or they didn't like this or they didn't like that crazy stuff and you know I think I got to a point where I was like you know what I really can't do this to myself anymore I can't allow people to try and destroy me you know and I wasn't getting much from Instagram anymore. You know, I was okay. You know, my hair was back. I I kind of felt like, you know what? It's not worth this. So I stepped away, closed the account um, really for six months. I went back on twice to say hello, um, you know, in the springtime, in the summertime. And then actually this time around, whatever 
kind of came over me. Now, I don't know if I'll ever go back to daily updates and, you know, being as open as I was, you know, and that's just, I can't help myself. That's the type, if I met you in real life, I'd be exactly the same way. Do you know, I tell you what I had for my breakfast, lunch and dinner and everything else that happened to me in between. So I don't know another way to live. So regardless if I'm talking to one person or 80,000 people, that's where I am. So it's going to be hard for me to kind of control myself to some degree. But um, I kind of felt a bit better you know in myself after the six month break I felt like you know what and I completely understand not everyone's going to like everybody I don't like everybody and I just simply unfollow them I definitely would not write it in a public forum somewhere and destroy them and try and you know destroy their career or destroy anything else it's just absurd you know but um I definitely feel better now and now I'm kind of feeling you know I didn't build this audience for no reason you know I built this audience just on on me really I didn't I don't work with brands I don't hang around with people big audiences I don't do all the normal stuff I suppose Instagram and all that kind of stuff does so I built this audience on me so it's mine so I'm gonna work with it as much as I want to do it you know and I'm not gonna have people threaten me and I'm not gonna have people say bad things about me you know shame on them it's no shame on me so I'm definitely in a better place now to be able to handle that a little bit more I think so yeah. um but who knows who knows when you're when you're thinking about stress in your life and and, and the effect it can have and it becomes a stress I mean anybody mm. would have to rethink but I think it's really good that you're talking about it in the way that you are because we focus so much on the service service providers the twitters the instagrams and and what they need to do and 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 yes, there is a part of that, but I think we need to speak to people that would go on forums and post pictures um, of somebody's mm. house and say, you know, I want to physically harm them. I mean, it's gone too far. We all love going, geez, your one wrecks my head. Anyone in the public eye, I know it. there's <laughs> going to be people saying that about me on the radio right now. That's that's life. But mm-hmm. it's taken a bit of a nasty turn. And I, I think people need to check themselves a little bit Mm. but Claire you are a firecracker not only in the colour of your hair and don't let anyone break your spirit what you're doing is incredible and may it continue to grow and may you have that true hair clinic very soon Claire Fulham Claire Balding on Instagram it's still open go check her out thank you so much for coming on (laughs) thanks Claire so that's it for Alive and Kicking for this week. My thanks to my producer, John Fardy, and to Jojo Cordoza, who was on sound. And thanks as ever to you for listening. I will see you next week. At AJ Products, we offer workplace solutions for office, school, warehouse and environment. But at AJ, we do things differently. Our approach to quality and innovation means we design and make many of our own products, giving a more unique and personal service to our customers. Like our classic and campus clothes lockers, designed and built in our own factory. And our whiteboards, guaranteed for 25 years, only at AJ. Visit ajproducts.ie or call 01 28 11 700. AJ Products. Surprisingly more. Ask AJ.